Are you comfortable in there? Yeah. Okay. Nice. And you're a big guy. I could be in it. How tall are you? 6'2". 6'2"? Did you ever play any sports? Oh, yeah. Yeah, what would you play? Well, I played basketball, I'm a, but, uh, you know, I grew up in, uh, in the Bronx, and basketball was like gang war. <laughs> you know, it was, it, was, uh, it, was, it was do or die. And I was a big guy, and uh, they liked to beat me up because I was Jewish, too. I was playing with the Irish kids. Oh, God, it was terrible. Oh, yeah. And uh, then I switched to, I, I was big in handball. Oh, yeah. Big-time handball player. Nice. I won some championships. I played with Louis Russo. He was my first partner. Louis Russo was one of the world champions in the United States. Oh, okay. Great player. And uh, the MacArthur brothers. Oh, man, it was some great times. Great handball players. Where did you guys play? Just, like, at the local park? Or? No, we had a... I was... Uh, my parents joined this uh, beach club in the Bronx with no beach. <laughs> middle class. Lower middle class beach club. Uh, big pools, but a lot of handball. My dad was a great handball player, and uh, was he a big guy too? Not as big as me, uh-huh. but he was—he was a beautiful guy. Yeah, you look at my dad, his body, handsome guy, gorgeous. Yeah, well, look at me. Come on, <laughs> <laughs> no, he was a very, very well-built athlete. Played basketball, handball, switched to golf at one time, but then I got big into skiing. Really? Yeah. Skiing took me away, man. Skiing just <laughs> took me out. It's, it's a rush, huh? The yeah. the adrenaline going down. Uh, yep. Mountain climbing got big into the mountain climbing and wilderness stuff, and went to Alaska, lived in the woods for uh, four months with a gun. Really? Yeah. When I was twenty, twenty four, twenty five, something like that. Hitchhiked to Alaska with a gun and from New York. No, I I had been uh, I've been a wilderness guide for a while. Oh, okay. Skiing got me into the woods. Oh, okay. And once I found the woods, I said, "Holy shit, this is amazing!" And I became a, a whitewater river guide for a while. I uh, ran the, the Rogue River a lot up in Oregon. Uh, a lot of rivers uh, in um, Oregon. There were the 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 Deschutes River was a great river. Not not that it wasn't that tough. The Rogue was pretty tough. Uh, hiked into Havasu Canyon 40 years ago when nobody knew about it. Really? You know, beautiful. Yeah. Beautiful. Now you need a permit and all kinds of shit. Oh, to, really? To get down there. Yeah, I've never been. Oh, gorgeous. Gorgeous place. Um, but mostly spent a lot of time in the woods. A lot of mountaineering stuff, you know, uh, climbing with skis. Uh, you get one run, you know, you climb up with seal skins on your on your skis, do you know about that? No. Seal, seal skin? You put seal put seal skins on the bottom of your of your skis and the the fur goes one way. So when you slide up, the ski doesn't slide back as you yeah. go up. Really? Yeah. Wow. What is it like uh it acts as traction? Well, it's not traction. Yeah, well, you could say that it's not really traction because as you're sliding up, it's smooth, it's smooth. but the ski won't go back because the hair wow. it goes one way. And uh, and then they changed. They stopped killing seals, which is okay. So now yeah. there's mohair, is mohair seal skins, and they work really well too. But I had a set of those, and we used to do a lot of mountain. You go up, you climb all day for one run, and it's a, usually a pretty, uh, pretty tricky run. Yeah, glacier skiing is what it is. Up in Bend, out of Bend, Oregon. Oh, really? Yeah. Wow. Three Sisters Wilderness area, beautiful. Yeah, it is beautiful up there. Oh, God. You're going back a lot of years now. 
Did you? Are you an only child? No, I got a. I had a terrible sister. Oh yeah, older. <laughs> I assume older. Yeah, right? nasty, <laughs> tough. <laughs> Bronx tough. Girl was tough. Yeah. Anybody came near me, she beat the crap out of them. <laughs> beat the crap out of them. And then when my parents were gone, she beat the crap out of me. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. Uh, yeah, I have an older sister too. She's the same way. Whoa. Yeah, they get along great. <laughs> Wow, was she a big girl too? Very big, yeah, a huge body, just not beautiful, yeah, beautiful, yeah, gorgeous body, yeah, just beautiful. And uh, and one day I remember she came home from school one day. And she was really pissed off because she wore her back in those days. The girls would wear their sweaters backwards to uh, accent their breasts, uh-huh. and she already had huge yeah. breasts, but she wasn't fat. They uh-huh. were all, it was all breasts. Really, wow. Know? And then she came home and said. One guy, one more guy calls me big job. I'm going to kill him. Big job. (laughs) (laughs) That's great. Columbus High School in the Bronx. Not not an easy school. No. So she was tough. You were tough. I was not tough. (laughs) I I went to music and art in in Manhattan. It's not a tough school. Getting to school was tough. Yeah. The the bus ride through Harlem was hard. Yeah, yeah. But once I ran to school, (laughs) I got into school, I was okay. Nice. It's great. Where are your parents from? New York, um, Manhattan. Oh, okay. Uh, second generation. First generation. No, they were born in the States. My grandmother came over from uh, Odessa, Odessa, Russia. Yeah? That's the city with the sense of humor. Oh, okay. When I started to get into comedy, I realized, oh, that's where it comes from, my grandma. That's really what the city is known for? Yeah, city with the sense of humor. Come on. Yeah, I'm serious. No, no, I'm not serious. No, it's because I I haven't met a Russian with a sense of humor. <laughs> Most of them don't, because they're not Jewish. You got to meet the Russian oh, the Jew- Jews. <laughs> the other ones are really. You're right. They're not funny at all. Constant, <laughs> constantly negotiating. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, as far as uh, you know, the fear factor goes. Yeah, they got that down. You know what right. I mean? Like I'm right. deathly afraid of them. You know what I mean? And they they got that down. Uh, but, uh, yeah, funny, uh, no, <laughs> no, um, but that's great. Uh, so what was it like growing up in the Bronx? Tough. Yeah. Tough. It was you know, fighting, fighting gang wars, fighting. Yeah. People beating the crap out of each other. I was five years old and, uh. So what year are we talking? I was born in 44. Okay. I'm 76. All right. 1945, I was five. So 1949, somewhere around there, uh, this kid beat the crap out of me. I was playing, and he beat the crap out of me. He's because he, I was Jewish. Oh, and I didn't even know I was. I, <laughs> nobody told me. <laughs> I learned I was Jewish from an, Irish, from an Irish kid. <laughs> oh, the Irish kids, man, huh? Yeah, oh, they're tough. They're tough, right? And they yeah. hated the Jews. Mm. Hated, and, the, and I think they, they hate everybody. <laughs> it's not Irish. Yeah. Right. Yeah, especially in a neighborhood like that. That's like. Uh, you know, tight niche and stuff. And like, I'm sure like a lot of them, everybody knew each other around there. Yeah. Sort of, mm-hmm. sort of. It was an all white neighborhood. No, nobody, they, the, it was a, a bunch of buildings built by Metropolitan Life. It was the first project. And for some reason, no black, they wouldn't allow black people to move in. Now it's totally different, of course, but, mm-hmm. uh, and, and so it was all white, all white. So the, the way I put it was, uh, there was no black people, so the white people had to kill each other. You know, it was like 
You got it's like human nature. We got to beat up somebody. Yeah, everybody yeah. got for some reason. Yeah. I don't know why, but it's true. It's true. I I think it's a rite of passage of being American. You know, I I think that uh, you know, like uh, you know, every race that that comes in, you know, they have to give it to the new right. ones that come in. Right. You know, right and um. And and then those new ones give it to the new ones that come in after them. Somehow. I think it's a it's a, it's a rite of passage. Well, you know, it's a it's an American thing, you know, and it's you know, yeah, because it's weird because, you know, the Irish they were discriminated against big right. time. Um, I mean, you know, they were, I mean, you know, other white people were just like no Irish, and they had signs, and you know, they beat up on them, and they had. You know, uh, really, you know, derogatory uh, names for them, right? Yeah, L Lenny Bruce had a great joke about that. He said, he said, uh, there's one. He's a Puerto Rican guy, and there's uh, and then there's Danny. He's a uh, an Irish guy, and there's this guy, and he's an. And let's all get together and beat up the Polacks. It's <laughs> <laughs> hilarious. It's a great joke. Yeah, yeah, and that's that's another uh, group that 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 got discriminated against. You know. Everybody, the Polish, yeah, no, everybody, everyone gets their turn. I was, I was, you know, my wife is Cuban, mm -hmm. so uh, was I went to visit my mother-in-law for the first time. We're sitting on the beach in uh, in Miami, mm -hmm. and we're sitting on a bench, and uh, these two black guys walk by, and my mother-in-law, Cuban, yeah. she comes from Cuba, yeah, super Cuban, yeah. She says, "Oh, look at those black people," you know. I'm thinking, like, just shut the fuck up. You mean he has a Cuban? I know. <laughs> Discriminating against. But the white Cubans are mm. feel better than the black Cubans. Do they? Yeah. What the? Yeah, know? yeah, yeah. But the black Cubans feel better than any other blacks. Right. right. You Ab know? Oh, absolutely. Right. And the Cubans feel be much better than the Argentinians. Right. And the Argentinians think they're better than the Cubans. <laughs> I know. I know it's, uh, and then there's the Jews. <laughs> Everybody hates the Jews, and they run everything. <laughs> yeah, really. I wish. Look at my bank account. <laughs> no, but yeah, they, I mean, it's 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 interesting thing. Um, so, uh, so you got into music right away when you're. I started young? playing songs when I was four. Wow! And uh, I, my mom noticed I had some talent. And she, we were, we were not, we were poor. Uh, and she saved her pennies to get me. Uh, oh, she said, she asked my father to put pictures of musical instruments on the wall when I was about nine. And he said, pick, point to one. I pointed to a trumpet. He went to a pawn shop and got me a bugle. A pawn shop? A pawn shop. Oh, okay. A hook shop. Yeah, all right. And he got me a bugle. And I, I could, I played that bugle. I blew the piss out of it. Wow. And I became the bugler for the Boy Scouts. And I got some awards for the bugling and... And then he got me a trumpet because he saw he could spend some more money on it. How'd you learn to play? Uh, they sent me for lessons, which I hated. I hated music theory because uh, I didn't understand. I still, I get it now, but I, there's a great story about Louis Armstrong. Someone said, uh, hey, Louis, do you know any music theory? And he said, yeah, but not enough to fuck up my music. Nah, <laughs> that's great. Good story. Yeah. So, and then I went to music and art. I studied in grade school, junior high, got into music and art high school, which was a great school for, for budding musicians and artists. And then I switched to guitar and I started, so now I play everything. I, I learned I can pick up anything and play it. Wow. Yeah, it's just one of those things. Oh, and you just felt that early on? 
four. Yeah. Writing a song. I remember. I wow. Mean, I remember what I, I remember wow. doing it. It's amazing. And uh, have you? Does any of your family like? Uh, are they musically inclined? They were, but you know, they went through the depression and they and they had to take care of business rather than play music and stuff like that. And I didn't care about money. I still don't, which is not so hip. But uh, you know, I made a decision to play music a long time ago. Wow. Yeah. And you haven't stopped since. Not really. I did a few other things. I got into the wilderness thing quite a bit. Because uh-huh. I got I got involved in Vermont. In Vermont, after skiing at night, we'd play uh, guitars and banjos and stuff, and, and uh, that was that was pretty cool. So I got into I got into a lot of folk music and folk music and mountaineering. They seem to go together. I don't know how that happens. Uh, and then when I was in the woods, it was really hard. I really couldn't play, but. Um, but it's been pretty consistent in my life. I did did some other things, but I was I always had an instrument nearby. And, was, and now, of course, after the past thirty five years, it's been a lot of music, a lot of comedy. I didn't know I was funny till late in life. <laughs> I had no idea. I didn't know how to talk. Really? Yeah, I could play music, but I didn't know how to talk. I didn't what know, do you mean? You didn't know how to talk? I didn't know how to communicate. You stuttered? No, I just didn't know what to say. I could play music. I could feel music, but I didn't know. A, You're real quiet, except when I played trumpet. <laughs> that was loud. Nice. Yeah, I bet. Was loud. Y- your neighbors hated you. Or? Oh, they hated <laughs> me from the word go. Really? Oh, I used to put the bugle out the <laughs> out the window in the Bronx and wake everybody up in the morning. Really? Help get them to blow reveille. Right? Oh wow! <laughs> the cops knew where I lived. Oh. <laughs> uh, well, that's wow. That's wild. So, because uh, I, I see you, so you, you play the bugle. What else do you play? Uh, I play a lot of trumpet. Uh, uh, anything you could uh, blow, blow, pluck, beat on, whatever it is. Anything, bang, blow, pluck, whatever. Wow. Strum, I can play it. Yeah. Anything. I just choose a few things to play to uh-huh. specialize on because there's too many instruments. Like I, pick up, I picked up a saxophone. I played it right away. I said, this is too easy. I'm not going to deal with it. Uh, but I do play Japanese shakuhachi flute, and I think you've heard me play. That's that flute here. I might have I might have put it in one of my bits. Oh, okay. Because I got a bunch of jokes about. Sh- there it is, right there. Oh, okay. That's the J- Japanese shakuhachi flute. Oh, wow. Yeah, shakuhachi in Japanese means sucking dick. Get out of here. I'm serious. I didn't know that. I didn't know that till. What? So they got a sense of humor. <laughs> Not really. No. <laughs> <laughs> it's serious shit to them. Yeah? Yeah. Have you been to Japan? No, I wish. I, You know, someday I'd yeah. like to go. I haven't been to Israel. Let me get to Israel first. <laughs> I want to build... I play the shofar also. Jewish trumpet. Oh, okay. You, have you heard that? No. No? Never. It's a very, very spiritual. Mm. They played on the high holy days. Very, very... Um, um, What's the word? Super Jewish. Yeah. It's one of the oldest instruments on the planet. King David used to dance naked in the streets to the sounds of drums and, and uh, shofars. Oh, okay. Trumpets. They would play this wild, crazy music. Yeah. He would take off his clothes and <laughs> dance like a lunatic just to show the people of Jerusalem. You, I think you might have moved that one. Yeah. yeah. Just to show the people. That's okay. It's I can see it's cool. I think I'm going to move this light on me a little bit. Go ahead. Keep talking. He he would dance naked in the streets just to show the people in Jerusalem that they should live with abandon 
and the best way to show them how to live with abandon was to strip naked and dance crazy. And Richard Gere did it in the in the movie about King David, and you know who knows if he did it correctly, whatever. But it, it was it was a great display of letting yourself be insane in public without fear of judgment. And, wow. And then one day King David came home and his wife said to him, you got to cut that dancing out. You got to stop that. And, he, <laughs> and that's when he left her. <laughs> he said, fuck you, I'm going to dance. I'm going to dance. I need to move, honey. <laughs> Do you dance? I'm a great dancer. Yeah? Yeah, I can't dance for real, but... Uh-huh. Uh, when I dance, my wife leaves the room. <laughs> we were in Cuba, and uh, and we were in a nightclub. Nightclubs in Cuba start like 2 in the morning, and you go home at like 8 in the morning. Yeah. It's so cool. And it was a hip-hop nightclub in Cuba. Uh-huh. And they were all dancing. And I said, I want to dance. I want to dance. And my <laughs> wife's a great dancer. And uh, and then we went on the dance floor, and I started dancing the way I dance. We cleared the dance floor. <laughs> Everybody was that white guy dancing like that. That's hilarious. My wife was so embarrassed. Ugh. I was having a good time, though. You know, fuck it. If you don't know how to dance, dance anyhow. Yeah. Just yeah. dance. Just dance. I'm with you on that. So I took my daughter. My daughter's six and a half. I took her to see my wife's Cuban band, my wife's piano player, uh-huh. and this great all-girl Cuban band playing for like 700 people downtown, and everybody's dancing. Yeah. Dancing like crazy. And my daughter's three and a half years old. She jumps out of the stroller and runs up to people, starts dancing like a lunatic. And then she would dance with one person and get them to dance crazy. Yeah. Then she would run to somebody else. So pretty she oh. had like 10 people dancing like crazy. And I'm watching this and I go, oh, fuck, my daughter's going to Burning Man. <laughs> <laughs> you know? That's great. And uh, what, what she, she's, what, six years old? You said? Six and a half now. Oh, yeah. Does she, what, did she play an in, instrument? She She's she's musical, but she's she seems to be more interested in dance, uh-huh. which is music to me. I mean, she yeah. loves to dance, and uh, mm-hmm. I dig it. You know, nice. whatever she likes, we're with her. Yeah, that's cool. And um, so, tell me about when you uh, grew up and you went to high school. Uh, were you in band at all? Oh yeah, yeah. Well, if you, I got ex- I got accepted as a trumpet player. Oh, so when you're then you're put in an orchestra and bands, and so I got put in an orchestra, and I got put in you know jazz bands and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I wasn't you know I could play. I had a I had a great ear. Yeah, but I I wasn't a great player because I didn't understand the enormity of jazz. I didn't understand how free it was because I grew up in a very repressed household, mm-hmm. and and it. Somewhere along the line, it, I began to... Under, I was watching a clarinet player of my friend Stanley Schwartz, whose name I still remember. He turned out to be... He was playing clarinet. And he started to improvise in grade school. And I'm sitting in the audience. I'm saying, where the fuck are those notes coming from? How is he doing? He's not playing the melody. Where is he? How is he? Brilliant. I, but I couldn't figure it out in my own head. And, uh, and I didn't like reading, but I loved to blow. I loved just playing. And then one day, somehow, I think it was my first divorce that shocked me so much. It's, it just blew my head out off the roof. And I also started doing drugs around then. Maybe it was the drugs. I don't know. <laughs> but <laughs> somehow, I got to understand that jazz is just fucking unbelievable. Really? That you could go anywhere. 
you need a good ear. I mean, you need to know some theory. You need to know some idea where the key is and what's going on. But, but basically, the the uh, the enormity of invention is phenomenal. One note, you, all you know is the note you're playing until you play the next note, mm, and that's wow. that's that's jazz right there. That's cool. You just don't know. Yeah, you just have to be honest about who you are. Yeah, that's a trip. That is a trip. I didn't know about that either. You know, I was just always busy trying to be my dad or somebody else. Or, and that shit don't work. <laughs> so, I mean, that, I mean, so were your parents, uh, I mean, they seemed like they were supportive since they, they're the ones that got you started in it. You'd think that. Uh, but nothing was ever good enough mm. for my dad. Nothing was, my mom was very supportive, but my mom was loaded with self-loathing. Mm. Her dad taught her she was ugly and stupid. She was beautiful and brilliant. Oh, wow. And she thought she was ugly and stupid. Mm -hmm. So I got to learn how to be self-loathing by just watching her. Wow. You know? And my dad was a, a monster. Yeah. He was, a, he was not supportive. It was, nothing was good. And I couldn't tie my shoe right. Oh, wow. Nothing was good enough. So I ha I started running away when I was five. Oh, Jesus. Five or six. I finally got away a little, a little bit later, but I had to get away from him. Yeah. It was terrible. Oh, wow. It was brutal. Well, that's the, that's the, uh, the um, ideology of addiction is not feeling good enough. Oh, okay. You know, just why, why are people addicts? Because they, they, they feel unworthy. Oh, okay. Uh, I, was a, I was a perfect candidate. So I, that's one of the reasons drugs did, did so much damage. At what me. age did you start drugs? I started, I started everything late. I got laid late. Everything was late. <laughs> you know, I started drugs when I was uh, 24, something like that. Drugs scared me when I was going to school. You know, people died in my, in my school from drugs. Yeah. So that, they were not, they were not, I was, I was not, I didn't do that. And then I quit and then I got into it once in my first divorce. Oh, okay. And I went through the second divorce and I went to a lot of, I spent 10 years uh, stoned. Oh, wow. Living on the streets, the whole deal. Yeah. It took me down. But. And did you start with like, uh, you know, mild drugs and work your way up? Or did no. you go right to the hard stuff? I didn't do heroin, I, but I went to, right to cocaine and everything else. Yeah. Uh, needles scare me. I wasn't into needles. Mm -hmm. uh, I, and I got freebase, which is like crack, I think they call it now. Mm -hmm. So I was into into a lot of that. And freebase well, is really, that's, if you want to lose your mind, there it is right there. Really? Yeah, it's not. It's, it was freaky. Yeah. So it, it's like it's basically uh, cocaine uh, in rock form, and you smoke it. it was smoked. Yeah. It's, yeah. It was more like a paste. We put it in. Mm -hmm. a, I don't know how they do it nowadays, but we put it in uh, 150 rum, 150 proof rum. Yeah. In a pipe, and you inhale the smoke. You light the the paste, and then you inhale the paste. And there's some water. I think there was water. So in the rum makes it pasty. No, the it uh, it it, it, is, it was a paste. Oh, okay. And you put it in it, a in a in a pipe in a pipe, and then you light it, and you where did the where did the rum come in? I can't remember how where the rum came in from. Somehow the rum was in there. Uh -huh. Fifty proof rum. I remember that. And then you inhale the the it's a huge white cloud in a bottle. It looked like something from a high school chemistry class. Wow. And you inhale that, and you my, my mind just fucking flipped out. It disappeared. Yeah. It fucking, I looked at the sky. I said, holy shit. All there is is the sky. That's it. Oh, wow. I remember how scary it was. And then I, and then I stopped doing that. It was too much. I, so I just stayed with cocaine. Uh-huh. Cocaine was. This was what? The seventies? Yeah. 
Yeah. Pretty much. Mm-hmm. Into the 80s. Yeah. But stoned a lot. All, yeah. All day. All day? The whole day. Wake Stone up, with what? Wake up a little... A little marijuana? More, wake up a little marijuana, then cocaine, maybe 9 or 10 o'clock. Yeah. Rest of the day, stoned. Wow. And yeah. were you still playing music? I had... I was playing music. I was trying to make a living as a musician. I sold some stuff. After my divorce, I I had a house, and I sold the house. It all went up to drugs. Uh. Drugs and... And then I had a car. I I bought a, I bought a Mercedes Benz with that money from the house. And nice. then I eventually nice. And I eventually had to sell the Mercedes Benz for drugs. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> what was more important? You know? <laughs> Come on, man. So I mean, did you party by yourself, or did you were you partying with people? Or I partied a little with other people, but mostly I always like to be alone, and that's not healthy either. Yeah. yeah. But then when I was playing music, I was hanging out with other people, and every, they were all stoned too. So it was, you know, it was it was a thing to do. It was it wasn't it was the hip thing to do. Period. It wasn't looked upon as being a bad thing. It, we knew it was illegal, but yeah, uh, yeah, everybody everybody did it. Yeah. So there I was, right in the right in the center of it. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. And did somebody turn you on to that, or did you just discover that? By yeah. The I got divorced and I was crushed. I was suicidal, and uh, a woman who was really pissed off that I married somebody else. Uh, and when my wife left, she came by about two weeks later with a Mercedes Benz and a trunk full of coke. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, there you she go. Was, wait, this lady that she was interested in you? Oh, of course. Oh, <laughs> nice. <laughs> yeah. She drove a long way with that Mercedes to, wow. to get to my house. She heard I got. She heard I was divorced. She drove over right away. <laughs> it's great, man. Yeah. I mean, being a musician. I mean, and and like you said, you're a handsome guy. Um, you, you could have picked up girls just, you know, without having that skill, but as a musician, they, they get a lot of, yeah, we did. Yeah. We did. It was part of the deal. Yeah. It's not necessarily good. You know, it was just, and back then this is before herpes. Mm. I'm talking herpes didn't come in yet. (laughs) So people were fucking like unbelievable. (laughs) You know, you, I would, my opening line was, do you want to fuck? Oh, that's great. And it used to work. Of of course it worked. (laughs) There was was nothing stopping people from fucking. Wow. There was no AIDS, no herpes, no, my, maybe a little crab every now and then a crab. (laughs) (laughs) That is great. No worries. No worries. Dude. So everyone was just banging. Fucking whenever you want. It was just like, yeah, it's a dream world. <laughs> yeah, I understand it's a little bit like that in some places in our in our society. You know, mm-hmm. I hear some stories that people don't seem to care about what's going on. Yeah, uh, but back then it was okay to not care because there was nothing. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, it's an amazing time. It's amazing. I was running a jazz club at the time, and uh, I was the booker, the trumpet player, the piano player, the flute player, the comedian. I was everything, so it was easy to have. Sex was not a problem. Oh yeah, dude, they were throwing it at you. Absolutely, right. A couple of people were really pissed off at me. (laughs) That's hilarious. Oh man, that's that's wild. And uh, wow. So when'd you move out? How old were you? Out where? Uh, like on your own. I left when I was seventeen. I left, uh, I found Vermont, and I found a ski lodge, and by then I, I was a pretty good skier. And uh, they asked me to be a ski instructor. I was one of the first Jewish ski instructors in, <laughs> in Vermont. There were a few of us. I knew, wow. I knew the other two. 
And those guys get a lot of action too, right? Absolutely. <laughs> Man, you were right in the right place. Yeah. And probably they do. They probably do a lot of coke too, right? No, uh, I wasn't doing drugs at that time. Oh, really? Not at all. Uh -huh. I, that was the furthest thing from. I wasn't anywhere in my world. Mm -hmm. No, I was just skiing and playing, yeah. the, playing the guitar, loving folk songs. Nice. And that was where I learned how to improvise a little bit because I I wasn't improvising on the instrument, but we would sing a folk song. And they, uh, whoever was leading it would run out of verses. And I would say, I know another verse. I would just make some shit up. <laughs> and it sounded real. I could just, I, if I let my, I learned that if I let my head go and not think about yeah. trying to find something, it, the verse would pop into my head and I just had to sing it. Yeah. And that was when I said, oh, that's pretty cool. I can do that. And then and when the song was over, people would say, hey, where'd you learn that verse? And I would lie. But, <laughs> you know, I heard it here. I heard it there. But I never yeah. told them I just made it up. Oh, wow. Yeah, it was fun. Yeah, it, is, it sounds fun. So Vermont, wow. And then, then from Vermont, where did you go? Uh, Vermont, from Vermont, I went, because the draft was happening. Oh, okay. And then I I got a draft deferment course. So I went to, I, I got my first draft deferment when I got out of uh, City College in New York. Because uh, I was skiing, struggling on the weekend, went to city, got a BA in psychology, went, got into graduate school in Oregon, the University of Oregon. They took me with a full scholarship to uh, their master's program, graduate program in counseling psychology. Mm. And I went out there, and that's when I went from the East Coast to the, to the West Coast. Oh, okay. Coast. And then you stayed on the West Coast? Uh, yeah. Mostly. Yeah. Mostly. I did a little bit more traveling, but mostly mostly uh, Oregon, Idaho, Alaska. Yeah. Stuff like that. Yeah. Dude, I, so, um, what's your memories uh, uh, with the Oregon do you, do you like it there? I loved Oregon. Oregon had the most beautiful mountains. Yeah. And the people were phenomenal. They were so into the... I met Steve Schaefer, who was a great river guide. He, uh, we, There were Mackenzie River boats. I used to run the Mackenzie uh, a lot. Oh, no, it was Steve McKenzie, not Steve Schaefer. I'm sorry, somebody, somebody else. Steve McKenzie uh, was a great river guide. He was the first person to take a Mackenzie River boat which was a, a, a rowboat that had two front ends, didn't have a back and a... So <laughs> when, when you went down the river, you always had a front to go through the water. Mm. And it wasn't built for the Colorado River, but he took it through the, he took it through the confluence. The confluence is where the, ro where the Colorado meets the Green River, and the water is uh, uh, unbelievable. People run rafts through it now. Rubber rafts, they can bounce off the rocks and shit like that. Yeah. But in a wooden boat, you don't bounce off the rocks. Wow. And he he rode that through. And I don't know that he even got wet. Wow. I mean, he was so good at rowing that boat. Wow. So I used to run the Mackenzie a lot. And uh, a skied, uh, used to go to Bend and ski, skied a Bachelor Butte. This is years ago before they had a lift to the top. Used to walk to the top. It's great times. Wow. Great times. And where, where in Oregon were you living? Eugene. Eugene? I, I, you, uh, Veneta, which is a little outside of Eugene. Uh-huh. So I lived in, a, I had a little cabin, $40 a month was my rent. I had a wood stove, a wood heater, and a set, I had an outhouse with a flush toilet. <sighs> and I had a little house outside that had a wood heater for the shower. 
So if I want to, <laughs> I'm looking at your face, it's total disbelief. Yeah. I was chopping, I had a nine pound splitting all. You know what that is? No. It's a nine pound sledgehammer. It's a sledgehammer on one end and a and an axe on the other end, but it's nine pounds. Wow. And you use that to split the wood. To, yeah. And I would chop four, I would split four cords of wood. You, you couldn't fit a cord of wood in this room. So four cords of wood is a lot of fucking wood. And I'm a Jew from the Bronx <laughs> with a nine pound splitting all. Wow. Chopping my wood. And I lit and uh, so we had wood heat. We had a wood <clears throat> wood heater to heat the place. I had a wood stove to cook on, and a wood stove for the shower. The the outhouse had a flush toilet, no heat. Wow! In the woods, forty. So you had to go outside to go to the yeah the bathroom, yeah yeah. And there was no heat in there. No, <laughs> <laughs> it was cold. <laughs> Man, Oregon gets cold. Yeah. Yeah, it, it does. It's it gets cold. Yeah, yeah. And, and where I lived, everybody was anti-Semitic. I never told them I was Jewish. Really? Never. I told after two years of living there, I told one neighbor I was Jewish, and he said, "Where are your horns?" Come on. Yeah, he because he thought Jews had horns, and I'm not Jewish enough to know that Jews were supposed to have horns. I oh, had no idea what the fuck wow. he was talking about. What year was this? Oh God, don't ask me to remember that. I don't remember. Like Thirty. For whatever 40 years ago, 30, 40 years ago. That's so funny. Like, you know, when I, because yeah, cause I know there's there's racists up there, because, you know, <clears throat> but um, it's, it, I think, like, I thought they were liberal and hippie-ish up there. There's that element of uh, there. That's the Ken Kesey, uh, you know, one flew over the cuckoo's nest. Yeah. Uh, the, a bunch of people there. There was a great guy, artist, a spoon man. Uh, did you ever hear of him? No. Phenomenal spoon player. I don't know if he's still alive or not, but this guy could play spoons barefoot. Walk, I don't hitchhike. Walk, he was phenomenal, and he would just yell out poetry while he was doing these incredible spoons. But there was a huge hippie community. But that that that's not the natives. Oh, okay. The natives. Uh, I, I don't know how it is now. Yeah, it's different now. I yeah, do, I doubt it. Yeah, is that pretty much the whole state? Yeah. Wow. Well, you know, Eugene, Oregon is a bastion of liberalism. Mm -hmm. You know, if you want to get to be liberal, Eugene is pretty liberal. Yeah. And I think that that exists somewhat in Portland also. Mm -hmm. Although I don't know what the fuck is happening up there now. Mm. I don't, yeah. I, I mean, Portland, like when you were there, it was it must have been a small city. Uh, it was bigger than Eugene, uh, but it was a it was a bigger city. It was, yeah, it was. I mean, because now, I mean, have you been there lately? No. Oh, I mean, you know, and then it got really popular, you know, in the nineties, I think, or the early two thousands, with that show Portlandia. Uh huh. Yeah. So I mean, and and you know, I think when real estate started getting really expensive up north, you know, uh, with all the tech uh, companies uh, raising, uh, right. So they all moved to Portland. Uh, like they couldn't afford it uh, over there in Silicon Valley. So, and I heard they even have like a like a Californians uh, sign with the cross, uh, you know, like a right, right, like yeah. a no Californians, yeah, yeah, like stay out because there was a big, uh, you know, exodus, I guess, from Northern California to Portland, Oregon. I think a lot of people moved to Eugene. Uh, Eugene used to have, well, I think when I was there, it was 50,000 people, maybe 60,000 people. And the lumber trucks, when they came into Eugene, one tree per truck. The trees was so big. Yeah. All you could get, now there's like 15, tree, 15 trees on a truck. Really? But when I was there, one tree could fill a whole truck. 
Because they were so old and there's old a big, big. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, real forest. I mean, just, you know, the real deal. Yeah. It was beautiful. Oregon's oh. beautiful country. Yeah. It's beautiful. I know. I was telling my buddy because uh, I wanted to go on a road trip. And uh, when I was in uh, Portland, I uh, drove to the coast to, yeah. uh, through the uh, Tillamook uh, uh, forest. Uh-huh. Right? Is it Tillamook? I don't know what far you do. I know, I know going to the coast is, yeah. I don't know the name of the forest. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, there's a big national forest uh, there and, uh, we drove up to, um, that place where they filmed, um, uh, one floor of the cuckoo's nest. Uh huh. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's, so we crossed into Washington. Right. And then there's that one city right there. What is it? Arcadia or something like it starts with an A, I think. Yeah. And they filmed like, uh, the movie Goonies there. Um, yeah, but it was uh, it was really cool, and it's, just like driving up the coast, the northeast coast probably has to be like one of the most beautiful places on earth, I think. Northwest, northwest. I'm northwest sorry, northwest coast. Yeah, yeah, all the way up to Washington, where they have the rainforest. Yeah, That's oh, they got a rainforest up there. I hiked that rainforest. Oh wow! Yeah, I hiked. I first I hiked the beach. I saw bears on the beach, which was cool. No way! Yeah, really? I wow. said, "What the fuck is that? A door? What is that? What is?" It? And it turned out it was a bear. It's a brown. It was a black bear, which is not very big. Yeah, you know, not yeah. The only reason to worry about a black bear is they could, you know, fuck up your food or, mm. or your tent. Yeah, you know, they're not, they're not the real aggressive ones like the grizzlies. They're aggressive to getting food, oh, okay. and they know that there's food in cans. You know, that's that's a weird point of evolution where a bear knows if it could pop open a can with its paw, just boom. They wow, don't need, they don't need a can like open. Popeye, boom. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's great. Yeah. Never thought of that. Dude, I, it's so beautiful up there. Uh, I'm, and I love those big trees too. I'm actually gonna go to Sequoia uh, tomorrow. Oh, yeah. I told you. Yeah, yeah. Um, That's pretty country. Yeah, I love to see like those big tall trees. They had a fire up there recently. Yeah, yeah. I was supposed to go like you know, you know, two weeks ago when they started, uh, and then all those fires totally. Yeah, because they evacuated like a good part of Central California. Right. But I love driving up the coast uh, up there, you oh. know, like even, you know, Central Coast, you know, yeah, up to San Francisco or Big Sur, Monterey. Have you Very, been over there? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I've been. Nice. I, you seem to have been everywhere. Uh, not everywhere, but I've been a, a, a bunch of places. Yeah, and that is real. Not yet. <laughs> uh, it'll happen. <laughs> it'll happen. You, you get a free uh, plane trip over there, don't you? Um, uh, not at my age. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> you got to be a shitload younger. Oh, do you? Yeah. yeah. It's for kids. It's for school kids. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. <laughs> I, sh- I should re-enroll. Re- enroll yeah. <laughs> second time around. Yeah. I mean, well, I mean, you're, you're a kid at heart. I mean, it's, yeah. you know, you're, you, you got such a young, uh, youthful, uh, way about you. Yeah, I'm trying to match my bank account. It's <laughs> <laughs> great. I got the bank account of a 16 year old. That's right. Yeah. No, I'm I'm with you on that. Right. Uh, so I mean, th- I mean, that's uh, I guess the life of the artist. Really, you, you didn't care about the money, and uh, it was all about you know music and comedy, and it's all about seeing shit. Yeah. You know? Wow, look at that. Wow, look at that. Oh, I mean, and I don't mean, you know, like to be distracted, but, mm-hmm. you know, in a really uh, in-depth, I mean, not many people, I made a decision when I was 25 to walk into the woods of Alaska to see if I could survive. 
I mean, that's not uh, something to take lightly. No. But I didn't think it was going to get me into any trouble because I didn't realize the kind of trouble it could get me into. Uh, and I wouldn't wouldn't do it n- now the way I did it then. But uh, it was a, a wonderful thing to do. And but I'm al- I've always been that way. I've always been. Let's. Oh, that's that sounds like, not just exciting, but it sounds like I I need to know what that is. Yeah. You're curious. I want to know what that is. Yeah. You know, can I survive by my, can I survive in the woods? Do I need a grocery store? You know, can I, uh, <laughs> I don't want to, you know, can I live, can I take care of myself? Yeah. You know, in this fucking universe that we live in. Yeah. You know, and how huge the universe is. Yeah. You know, it, it's unfathomable. Nobody can, nobody knows how big it is. Nope. Some people think they know, but yeah, they don't know. Yeah. You believe in aliens? I think it's good chance somebody's out there. I mean, it's it's pretty big. So. Yeah. Right. But I I don't let my belief in aliens, whether or not that exists, discount the enormity of the miracle that we are. You know, that's that is the most amazing thing that we are actually sitting here talking, looking at each other, and and uh, having a conversation. Yeah. The language that we're alive is how how the fuck did that happen? I don't believe any of this shit I've been told. Yeah. Right. That don't make any sense to me at all. <laughs> and those people sound crazy to me now. I mean. What'd they tell you? No, 6,000 years old. The, oh. the planet's six, are you kidding me? Yeah. No. Right. You got to change your attitude, folks. <laughs> yeah. You know, when I hear politicians talking about evolution as if it doesn't exist. Oh, I don't know that I can believe in that. I said, what the fuck is your problem? <laughs> you know, who are you listening to? Yeah. They just want to get revoted into something because they think most people don't believe in evolution, and most people don't. And to me, that's it's not a problem. It's just the way it is, but it's uh, it's not accurate. Mm-hmm. Science. Yeah. So you think we came from monkeys? I don't know if we came from monkeys, but we we certainly came from something that looked like a monkey. Yeah. Because we're still, you know, we're we're we are as close to a. Uh, a chimpanzee as you can get yeah. g- genetically mm-hmm. and you know what i nope. think they're smarter could be <laughs> <laughs> could be they might not want to live where we live i know i wouldn't want to live where they live yeah. you know they're geared for that shit i'm yeah not. <laughs> i want a raincoat <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's interesting um yeah did you hear the uh theory of you know, that we're like tree people and then we came down and then we started eating mushrooms and then our brains, uh, our brains expanded. That's possible. Yeah. <laughs> I, did, I know when I did mushrooms, my, my, brain, <laughs> yeah. my brain expanded. Yeah. I saw Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. You got the good stuff. Or you took the right amount. Right? Yeah. Well, yeah. It's funny. They, they, they do ha- say that, you know, you take a certain amount. And it's the, the, the God dosage and whatnot. Jesus dosage, uh, yeah, that's cool, man. It's uh, d- d- well, do d- you still do them? Do what? Mushrooms? No, I don't do any drugs anymore. Oh, okay. I've been clean uh, forty years. Oh, okay. 30, Thirty-seven years. Thirty-seven years. Yeah. Wow, man. Yeah. Congratulations. Yeah, I don't touch that stuff. Wow, that's amazing. I did a lot. I nearly died twice. So I don't. I am. Yeah. So you you got it all out of your system. Got it out. <laughs> did it. Loved, yeah. Enjoyed it to a point. Yeah. And then it was time to stop because I didn't want to die. Yeah. Yeah. And um, 
Do you think it was your personality that, uh, like, I mean, because I mean, because some people could take drugs here and now and then, and you know, put it away, mm-hmm. you know, or this and that, and uh, you know, what what made you like go like so hardcore? Um, drugs s- stop my negative thinking. As soon as I take a drug, I I know oh. I stop thinking I'm not good enough. I'm okay. You know, it's a typical story for most people. They drink a little alcohol. Oh, now I can dance. Now, uh, I, can, now I can talk to that girl. Yeah. I have the courage because I'm no longer thinking I'm not good enough. That mm. girl's too good for me. Uh, yeah, I need a drink. Mm. No, I don't need that anymore. Uh, so as soon, but the deal is I would do a little bit of cocaine. Yeah. I would stop the negative thinking or mm. the painful thinking. Yeah. And then that the cocaine would wear off. Yeah. And then I would need more cocaine because mm. the thoughts would come back. Okay. So that, and since they came back that often, yeah, I needed a lot of cocaine. Oh, okay. I Very see. It. Simple. Yeah. Yeah. And eventually, you know, recovery tells you to meditate and tells you to do, there's a bunch of good things that you can do instead of doing the drugs. You know, how about thinking good about yourself? Yeah. That's the hard part. Changing the negative thought into a positive thought. Mm. That's the hard part. Mm. And when I hear comics talking about how negative they are, and I just feel bad for them. And yet they, they can, they can, some of them can make a, a really good living because most people feel bad about themselves. And they can relate to that. I know when I do jokes about drugs, uh, when, you know, it hits. Yeah. It hits. The people laugh. Yeah. You know, it's... People in recovery laugh, but but they're they're over that. Yeah, you know, most of them. Right. But getting over the negative thinking—that's the problem. And how'd you do that? Just enough, you know. I would be sober long enough to have something really good happen that I wanted to have happen, and I was like, "Oh, that's good." And then I would go back to something negative because it's not easy. And mm-hmm. then another good thing would happen. So I I built up enough good things to want to keep the good things going. And, uh, and if I go for the negative things, then I'm going to lose the good things. Mm. And I love the good. Th- I love my daughter. Yeah. I love having a kid. It's great. And I love having someone who I used to, I've said this in my jokes. I used to love women who wanted to kill me. Why did I, <laughs> why, why did I fall in love with people who wanted to kill me? Cause I wanted to kill myself and I was going to let them do the job. Wow. That's deep. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I, I, you know, it's, it, it's, it's, uh, it's wild too, you know, that, uh, we get into these relationships and it's totally uh, destructive and, uh, yep. and, uh, wow. So, I mean, uh, was your first, how was your first wife? Um, so she didn't use it. No, it, w- it wasn't a question. At that point in my life, I really wasn't who I am. That's that's funny. I wasn't who I am. Mm-hmm. I was more my dad. I was more a very rigid. Uh, I and I I think it was a sex thing. You know, I think a lot of it had to. I didn't know anything about sex. My first marriage, and she knew more than I did, and I wasn't doing to her what she was doing to me. Oh, okay. And I think I think she needed to get. Uh, a little oral sex, and I didn't. I didn't. Nobody told me about eating pussy back like then. You kidding? <laughs> I didn't know you. I didn't know you could suck a dick. The first time a woman sucked my dick is what the? F- where's she going? What <laughs> where's she f- going? <laughs> she kept on going further. What? <laughs> no, you're kidding me. You're kidding me. Yeah. You know, I said, <laughs> I said, oh, feels good. Whoa, what are you doing? Didn't you watch porn? 
No, back then, I don't think there was porn. Oh, really? Hey, come on. This, I don't know. This is, well, I'm 24. There was no fucking, well, there was porn, but it was still real to real. Oh. <laughs> there wasn't even beta or VHS back oh. then. Come on. <laughs> no internet. Wow. I didn't know anything about that, eating pussy or sucking okay. dick. Or See, I was it's, a, it's not all your fault. No, it's you not my know. fault at all. Yeah. My dad never told me. I don't, <laughs> I don't think he knew. <laughs> That's hilarious. I don't think my dad ever got a blowjob. <laughs> oh, no. That's why he was so upset. There you go. <laughs> I'd be pissed, too. I would have calmed him down a little bit. <laughs> yeah. I think my mom would have gone, ugh. <laughs> I mean, we've all encountered that person, and we're like, man, that person needs to get laid. Yeah, absolutely. Right? Hey, I'm not waiting. I'm yeah, yeah. I'm now. I think that person is me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man! So, so yeah, she she left, and I didn't know you back then. I didn't know you could leave somebody. Uh, I was in it forever, yeah. just like my dad. Yeah, yeah. But I'm not my dad, and uh, she, and that woman I married was not like my mom. Yeah. So she left, and what do you you left? Oh, you I fell apart. Yeah. Fucking yeah. destroyed my world. Yeah. And that was the best thing that ever happened to mm. me. It was the worst at that time. Yeah. But now it was the best thing that ever happened. Nice. One of them. Yeah. One of them. Wow. Yeah. What of them. And uh, do you still communicate with her? No, but I, I wouldn't be against it. Yeah. You know, I've reached a point where, I, you know, anybody I've been with is, everybody I've been with has been real significant to me. Yeah. You know, for, we gave each other whatever we had at that moment in time, whatever it was. Yeah. And I wouldn't, I wouldn't. I wouldn't put anything past. I, I don't know how to say. I would, I would, ex I accept all of it. You know, it's just who you are at that moment in time. And then hopefully you get better. You know, you make better choices, hang out with better people, and you become better yourself. It's, yeah. cool. it's a cool world, man. Yeah. It's pretty cool. That's cool. I mean, I just asked because, like, you thank her for your recovery, right? Because if it wasn't for her, you getting divorced, or for her leaving you, right? Yeah. Well, it got me into her leaving me. Got me into drugs. Oh, they that's, got you into drugs. Yeah, that's that's the one that got me into drugs. And then I don't think there was anyone who got me out of it, other than the fact that I needed to. I didn't want to die. Mm, okay. So, I wouldn't credit her with any of that, but I still would have a, a whole lot of respect for who she was. She was a very beautiful, very talented, very fucked up human being. Yeah. I mean, we all were in one way or another, and she just couldn't handle. You know what I couldn't give her. Yeah, and uh, I can't blame her for that. Yeah, not at all. Mm -hmm. So she made the right move for herself. Yeah, and that's you know it's, now it's cool. Yeah, what age did you get married? What I, I got married, I was, I was with her for about four years before we got married. I got, so I think we got married at thirty three, thirty four. Oh, okay, like so not not really young. No, I yeah. did everything late. Oh, okay. Everything yeah. is late. Nice. That's why I have a kid. I'm 76. I got, <laughs> I got my first kid six years old. Oh, wow. First kid. Oh, okay. Everything is late. Yeah. Why is that? <laughs> <laughs> no, because I, I feel like I'm the same way, you know? Like, uh, <clears throat> same thing, you know? At 24, that's when I started smoking weed. You know, and uh, yeah, did everything, you know, pretty late. And I feel like, uh, you know, I don't have any kids right now. And I, you know, I don't think I'm going to have any kids. But, you know, 
Oh, you know, you have not a clue. Right. You don't yeah, have a clue. Was. I had no, no idea this was coming. Yeah. I just was on the path of being a better person. Yeah. And being a healthier person. And it came my way. And I think that's just the way that works. Mm -hmm. You know, having a kid is one of the most amazing, amazing experiences. I mean. Cool. Uh, bar none. I didn't know anything about love until I got into recovery, for one. Mm -hmm. Met my wife for two. Yeah. Who's Cuban and will not leave. You know, that's not happening. <laughs> that girl will kill me before I leave. <laughs> God help me if I sleep with someone else. Yeah, yeah, and I've had a Cuban experience too, and oh, I'm it's lucky worth, to it's worth to it. make it out alive. No, <laughs> how, they, how they, are we at thirty minutes? Or? Uh, no, it's still recording. Is there a red dot up there? I don't. Yes, yes. Okay, cool. Yeah, as right. long as that red dot is, like, if you you see it not uh, disappear or turn off or whatever, right. let me know. No, I know where to look. I got yeah. it. No, um, yeah. And, and she's the one that wanted to have my kid. I wasn't thinking about having a kid, or a little bit, but I, you know, I was in my late sixties at that point, mm -hmm. and she, I met her when she I was fifty nine, and she was twenty, going on twenty three. She was a late twenty two, mm. you know, almost twenty three. Wow. Yeah. And you were sixty. I was fifty nine. Oh, fifty nine. Yeah. Yeah, buddy. <laughs> I said no. I I said no. Get away from me. I when, I, she chased me. Wow. And, uh, and I said no, and then finally I said, "Okay, let's go on a date." We went. She came to one of my gigs, and we went out. We had coffee, and we've been together ever since. First night, I was so blown away by who she was. Wow! Not that she was twenty-two or twenty-three or forty or whatever. She was just amazing. And where'd you meet her? I was doing comedy. I did a comedy show. Oh, you met her at a comedy show? Yeah, I was very dirty that night. She loved my uh, my uh, my sense of humor. And then I played the Japanese flute, and I was tonguing. <sighs> and uh, she was she's a musician, so and I I was scatting and playing the flute at the same time. Oh, you know what scatting is? No, tongue scat singing. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah, yeah. So, so I'm playing the flute and scatting at the same time. Oh, okay. And it freaked her out. Ah. Oh. And uh, and after the show, somebody the producer said. Uh, Wendy Hammer. You know Wendy Hammer? Sounds familiar. She books a lot. She's mm -hmm. uh, Tasty Words. That's her show. Okay. Uh, she introduced me. She said, someone would like to meet you. And it was this woman who was just gorgeous. And uh, and then I found out she was 22, and she was Cuban, and she liked older men. Mm. And I said no, because I had already dated a younger woman. I mm. didn't want to do it again. Yeah. And then we went out, and we went on one date, and we've been together 17 years. Wow. It's great. You can't think about age or age differences when it comes to who you're supposed to be with. Mm -hmm. um, you know, people, people, oh, you robbed the cradle. You this, uh, mm -hmm. go fuck yourself. Yeah. You know, what works, whatever works, works. Yeah, you're not, I mean, you guys are happily married. Yes. Uh, you know, you have a kid together. There's absolutely nothing wrong. And she's I mean, just like. Yeah. She's a great mom, too. Yeah. Really great mom. Nice. Our mom is a great mom. Yeah? Yeah. So it's uh, it's phenomenal to have a... And I'm glad because I couldn't raise my daughter by myself. I don't, God bless the, the people that are able to raise a kid by themselves. It's, yeah. I can't imagine. Yeah. Because it's, it's a lot. Yeah. It's a lot of work. <laughs> Boy, you need help. <laughs> 
It's yeah. not. It's not like having a dog or a cat. <laughs> a cat. Yeah. No, I know, man. I, I I see you know people that have kids and they just look tired to me. <laughs> <laughs> and I get it, man. Like, believe me. Like, uh, you know, I I you know, I'm an uncle. You know, I've uh, you know nine nieces and nephews, and uh, you know, I see uh, my brothers and sisters with them. Did it turn out? Okay, cool. Uh, and I see them with them, and. Uh, and it's exhausting just to watch them, you know, and then my mom would take care of uh, their kids too. And, you know, you just constantly have to keep an eye on them. So, yeah, it's like, it's, 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 yeah, no props to you guys uh, for, it's a lot of work. I'm tired. Right. I, yeah. I get tired. I have to take a nap every, she goes to school. I have to nap. <laughs> if I don't nap, I'm a goner. Yeah. 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 No, I don't. Yeah. You said you, you didn't sleep well last night. I've had a I've something about this um this uh this virus. Mm -hmm. Uh not that I have the virus, I've been recently tested. Nice. Um me too. But the lack of comedy is killing me. Yeah. Yeah. The lack of performing is disorienting. Yeah, it is. And, yeah. And I didn't get that until recently i've been doing fine yeah. until about maybe a week ago mm. week and a half it's just so, something was coming my a sense of uh pointlessness or a sense of what the fuck you know i don't a sense of dismay is hit me and it's debilitating because i've always been so energetic and energized and oh yeah i want to write that i want to write this i got to do that i got to do this i want to do this i want to do that and now I, those things are still there, but there's a lack of um, actually doing it. And th but at the same time I say that, I'm writing a book, I'm practicing my instruments. I mean, it's not like I'm doing nothing. I'm still generating because i got to reinvent myself because I don't have the money to take care of myself without doing something. You know, I have friends who have enough money they don't have to work the rest of their lives. And uh, I don't think they're in a good position you know, I don't, I, I wouldn't recommend that. Mm -hmm. uh, so I'm doing a lot of stuff, but I'm just not doing as, and the lack of performing is just, I've done a bunch of Zoom shows and I've learned they're good. I like, I'm good. Really? I'm good at it. I've learned how to do that. I've, yeah. learned, I've learned how the timing and I've, yeah. learned, I've learned you have to unmute the audience and uh, of course comics have to hear the laughter Yeah, and you can't just do, have a dead airspace and yeah. nothing. So I'm, I'm good at it. I like it. It's cool. not near what we do no. normally, but uh, it's better than nothing. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, th that's something that uh, regular people don't understand uh, about comedians is uh, that we constantly have to be on stage. And, uh, you know, this, uh, this you know, you know, a break is good every now and again, but, like, I, you know, I've never gone this long without being on stage, you know, and uh, us comics, I mean, we're not, you know, we're not good, you know, not being on stage, no. you know, like this long. And uh, I, I, I understand completely what what you're saying. And that's why I'm just trying to express to everyone else that, that you know, don't know about stand-up comedians that we need to be on stage, you know, like, you know, at least, you know, five times a week. Yeah. Five times a day. Yeah. Yeah, just out out doing yeah. that, co-mingling with other people. Yeah. I'm loving having yeah. the fact that this is happening. This yeah. is so cool. I'm out of the house. We're talking. Yeah. We're relating, and it's good for I my brain. I think so. Yeah. No, absolutely. And, uh, you know, I was, uh, 
you know, really happy you agreed to do this because I mean, you know, I, I've talked to some comics and, uh, you know, they don't want to see, they don't want to do the face to face thing. And I don't want to do mm. the zoom calling, uh, you know, through an interview, you know, it's just, oh. uh, it, this is a lot more personal, you know, way better. Yeah. Way better. I mean, so, um, I mean, I understand it, you know, but you know, it's, on the other hand, you know, you know, you, you, you gotta stay, take a step forward and, uh, Start living a somewhat normal life again, don't you think? I think so. I think uh, the mask thing is a little crazy to me. I like I I when I walk in them, I go for walks every day, and uh, when I walk, I don't wear a mask because I don't see the danger in that. But I go to a grocery store, I'm wearing a mask. Yeah, you know, sure. I, you know, I, yeah, I'm, you're in public. That's it. Right? You're you're in enclosed. I right. totally see it. Yeah, but when you're out, yeah, or when you're driving, no, right? I see people in their car with a mask. And then I'm thinking, well, maybe they're maybe they're thinking the germ is going to come in through the air conditioner unit. You know, it's going to attack them in the car. I don't know what they're thinking. Yeah, but I'm not going to wear it in the car. I as soon as I I take my kid to school, I have to wear a mask. As soon as I turn around, I take right. the mask off. Yeah, you know, I don't want that. I don't yeah. want when I'm on my bike. I don't want to be wearing a mask. I yeah. want to be in the air. Yeah, I'm a I'm a I'm an animal. Sure. You know? I like breathing. Yeah, no. <laughs> breathing is yeah. fun. It's crazy. I mean, and have you ever ex experienced anything like uh, what happened when we we started the shutdown with the uh, the uh, supermarkets like being all scarce, you know? And they, they, you know, they didn't have there. There was empty shelves, and you know that that hysteria, and then people were, like collecting all the toilet paper. Have you ever gone through anything like that? Never. The only thing that I ever know I ever happened was the first gas shortage. In the 70s, when gas went from 25, 30 cents a gallon, it's a long time ago, to uh, over a dollar a gallon, and the lines were long, and they said there's a gas shortage. There's never been a fucking gas shortage. The only thing is the price has gone up, but there's never been. There's, really? There's ne think about it. You're always able to get gas. Yeah. You just have to either wait or pay more. Right. But it's never a gas shortage. You go to the gas station and there's no gas. Right. That's, <laughs> yeah. That's a, that's a shortage. We've never had that. Yeah. There's always gas. Right. So somebody's fucking, somebody's fucking around with the money. It's like the, the law of supply and demand. Yeah. Uh, what was the law was the price changes. If there's a lot of it and the demand is low, then, then uh, the price goes down. If there's not a lot, if, if there's not a lot of whatever it is, and a lot of people want it, and the price goes up, someone fucked that law completely, and they say, and the new law is fuck you. That's the new <laughs> <law>. <laughs> yeah, man. I, what'd you think about that when you walked into the the supermarkets and they were they had empty shelves and everything like that? Uh, weird. Just. Uh, I have never bought, you know, normally I'll go and I'd spend 20 bucks, 25 bucks. But that was that was amazing. And I, I shop in Glendale, so it's all all the stores that I go to are Armenian mm -hmm. and they don't know how to push their carts. So they don't <laughs> those, they What do you mean they, they, they don't they know how to push their they carts? They don't care where the, they oh. they stop wherever they want to oh, yeah. stop. They go when <laughs> they, they want to go. They double park their uh, carts <laughs> right, they, just like their uh, BMW. It's crazy. It's, it's crazy. <laughs> what the hurry? Come on. I need to get <laughs> right. I need bananas. <laughs> right. <laughs> 
And then I'm in the I'm in a, it's called Essen Super King Market, which I love. I love the Super King Market in yeah in Glendale. I've been there. Uh huh. Not the one in Glendale. They have one in Van Nuys. Uh huh. Yeah, my mom loves it too. I love it. Yeah, it's super cheap. Right. Right. Yeah, it's owned and by Armenians, right? I don't doubt it. Yeah, I don't doubt it. <laughs> well, it's weird because like I mean like some of the um you know uh. uh People at the register they don't speak English. No, right. And and you you know I mean that's that's common you know if they're you know from Latin American countries you know because there's a big population but you're not used to like like I'm Armenian I don't speak English <laughs> like yeah, like they're right off the boat you know it's well, they, funny when I pull up they start talking because I look Armenian yeah, they, yeah. They, they start talking Armenian I say no English and then they they don't <laughs> no like English. Me. yeah yeah they don't, <laughs> they don't like, like me anymore yeah, so oh English yeah yeah so I'm in the Armenian market and the line is like. There's like 15 cashiers and the line is like two hours. Yeah. I swear to God. Yeah. That, in the beginning, it was that bad. Yeah. So I'm in line and then I think, oh, I got, if I go over here, maybe I do it faster. So I get to another line just as bad. So I circle back around and the one guy who I was talking to in that line, he lets me in. The only guy in the store who would let me in. Oh, okay. So I'm, now I'm cool and we're talking and he turns out to be the only other Jew in the room. <laughs> And it was hysterical. It tells me he's Jewish. I couldn't believe it. That's hilarious. So then we had a little brotherhood going on. There. Oh, yeah. Very funny. <laughs> That's funny. Two Jews in the Armenian market. Yeah. Well, uh, Armenians are very Jewish. Are they? Very. Cubans are very Jewish. Are right? they? Yeah. Cubans are known as the Jews of the Caribbean. Oh, okay. I didn't know that. <laughs> I didn't know that. There's a lot of Jew there were a lot of Jewish pirates from out in Jamaica and Cuba. Oh really? Years ago, the Jews were pirates. They had their boats were called Jerusalem, you know, uh, the Torah. These yeah. were, these were all pirate ships. Oh wow! Yeah, yeah. The Jews are tough. Nice. <laughs> yeah. You think they named their inner tubes? <laughs> this is the uh, <laughs> holy shit. We're going down. <laughs> the flotilla. Yeah, the flotilla. <laughs> this is my little friend. Okay. That's cool, man. And you, so you've been to Cuba, yeah. And uh, did you did you uh, perform there at all? Uh, no, we went there. My wife, through a friend of mine, my wife got a gig as the, I guess you could say, the uh, associate producer, right hand person to make a movie in Old Havana. Uh, it was an anti Castro movie that we filmed in Cuba. Uh, this is eight or nine years ago when, had they caught us, I wouldn't be here. Yeah. <laughs> we snuck into Cuba. Jesus. And we made this. The balls on this guy. We made this movie. <laughs> and it was terrifying. Jesus. And I did get to play trumpet in Cuba. Yeah, that's cool. I, I was terrified while I was there. Mm. And we were walking around one day in the tourist area and there was a band playing. Yeah. Cool. So we sit. And the band goes on a break, and they come over to sell their CDs, just the way I do when, when I was in my band, sell CDs to the audience. We bought some CDs, and my wife said that I play trumpet. Within a minute, they had a trumpet for me to play. <laughs> That's cool. Because you don't bring shit into Cuba. You don't bring your computer. You don't bring your trumpet. You don't bring anything, because they will take it when you come into Cuba. Mm. So I didn't have anything, so I had a trumpet, and I got to play with them every day. And I will tell you this, whenever I blew a note, the first note I blew and I heard the trumpet, all my fear disappeared. Every ounce of fear that was embodied f for why we were there, 
went away as soon as I got into my art. Wow. As soon as I blew a note, I heard the sound of the trumpet. It's cool. It was gone. Disappeared. Became courageous. Yeah. Unbelievable. Wow. I said, I said, holy fuck. Because I'd never been in that. I'd never been that scared. Yeah. To get arrested or. Yeah. So it was just what a lesson that was. So did you produce the film? It was it was done. It was shot, and I didn't produce it. I w- I was there. My wife wanted me to go with it to protect it. I did, you know. It, she was involved in the film. Oh, yeah, absolutely. She was the translator, the go-to person, the the liaison. She took care of all, all that, all the details of making the making the movie, getting people there, stuff like that. Okay. And it, wow, this is just mind blowing that someone would do an anti Castro movie in Cuba. It was, it was, yeah, it was actually an anti Michael Moore film because Michael Moore went to Cuba yeah, and, sa- and said that the healthcare in Cuba is better than the healthcare in the United States. Is that not true? Total, total bullshit. Really? Total bullshit. Oh, wow. Yeah, he went to the wrong hospital. Oh, wow. He went to the one hospital where the tourists go and the rich Cubans go. Oh. But the general population, nothing. No band aids, no mercur, no. No, no, nothing. Really? Nothing. Cubans are suffering. Jesus. Yeah. So we gave the Cuban doctors, the anti-Castro doctors, we gave them cameras hidden in suitcases so they could go into hospitals and film what was going into the, what was really going on in the hospitals. Wow. No bedding, no sheets, no nothing. Oh my gosh. And no toilet paper. They don't have, at four o'clock in Cuba, there's no toilet paper. They don't have toilet seats in Cuba. Only in the hotels. And wherever else you go in someone's house, no toilet. And some, the joke was, how do you do a crossword puzzle while you're sitting on the Cuba? <laughs> <laughs> that was my one joke. <laughs> you got to hold yourself up oh, on the wow. Rim. Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah, well, I didn't know either until we got there. Mm-hmm. And then you find this shit out. Yeah. Went to temple in Cuba. We, I did a little performing. And there's a there's a temple. Most of the Jews are gone. But there's still like uh, maybe 1,500 1, uh-huh. Jews. Maybe a little bit more. Wow. Yeah, it was a great, it was a great trip. It was yeah. a scary trip. Yeah. And when we left, they put the, they put the film in my luggage. Get out of here. Are you serious? I'm serious. Oh, I, my God. My wife, we were the last two people to leave. My wife said, well, let's put, the f- let's put this film in your luggage. You have more room in your luggage. <laughs> you were the mule. <laughs> they would have killed you, right, if they, if they would have found it. Uh, I think we would have been imprisoned. Yeah. I don't, I don't know that it would have killed us. Yeah. So we, we get to the airport on the way out, and... Uh, there's an ex- you have to pay money to get out of that fucking country. Really? There's an exit fee. And then there's a scanner and all that shit. And I'm, I'm, they take my luggage and I'm thinking, please do not open this luggage. Please do not. And we get across. They didn't find the film. We get across. We're on the other side. We're safe. And I'm saying, I'm so glad we're safe. And my wife said to me, yeah, but David, my, my wife's romantic. She says, David, if, if they would have found us, they probably would have put us in the prison for couples. And I said, oh, yeah, the prison with candles and <laughs> curtains, right? <laughs> Jesus. I think she owes you big time for doing that. <laughs> Not anymore. It's even. Yeah. Yeah, we, we pull each other through. That's cool. And uh, did the film come out? Yeah, it came out. It got shown in uh, in Miami. I mm-hmm. don't think it went any, any much further than that. Mm-hmm. It was part of, it was a segment of a larger movie 
which was essentially to discredit Michael Moore. Oh, okay. So it was part, it was, that part was against Michael oh, Moore. Oh, wow. But we went to Cuba to do it. Do you think Michael Moore uh, was just ignorant on the whole situation, or do you think he knew, uh, I mean, how do you feel about that? I, I can't yeah. come, I, I like a lot of what he says. Yeah. But I, I think he lost it on this one. Yeah. This one. That's unfortunate. It's a bad call. Yeah. And even if he knew yeah. and he did it, it's a bad call. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's yeah. not true. Yeah. You know, the Cubans are Cubans are not in a good place. Yeah. They're oh. beautiful people. Yeah. Beautiful people. Just, wow. Yeah. Sweet. Just struggling, though. Sweet. Yeah. I, you know, I'm part of the Cuban community now because my wife's part. Yeah. Playing in it a lot. And the Cubans are just the greatest. Yeah. Just loving. It's totally loving. Sweet. Yeah. Love to dance. Love to sing. You know, it's phenomenal. Good food. Oh, good food. Yeah, you go to portals? Oh, of course. <laughs> <laughs> Pork. I'm a pork eating Jew. That's in my act. Except when I do temples. Yeah, that little Cuban lady that owns Porto, she's she's been successful. Yeah. Oh, my God. Well, and she's a sweetheart. I think she died like a, yeah. a year ago. Yeah, she was. Yeah. 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 I forgot about that. I, I mean, she, th <clears throat> that place, I, I think besides In-N-Out, that's like one of the big, busiest places I've, I've seen in L.A. Doesn't stop. Doesn't stop. Always a crowd. Yeah. Good for Always. Yeah. I mean, that, that's got to tell you right there. Um, yeah. And a refugee from Cuba, you know, came here with nothing. Yeah. Good, great, amazing story. That is, that's a great story. Uh, wait, hold on. Cool. So um, after, so where did you go after college? Did you finish? Uh, I got two years into my master's. I got a BA in psychology in City College in New York, and then I got two or two years, but I never got a degree. Because, uh -huh. you know, when I was in Oregon, the the thing I did most was climb mountains and ski and run rivers. I didn't really care about school. I did get a draft deferment from that, um, which is really what I was after. I did not want to go to Vietnam. Uh, I thought that was a, a, a horrible thing, horrible mistake. And the guy who, I forget the guy who started that war, but he later, many, many years later, apologized for starting that thing. And uh, so I got a dra initially a draft deferment, and I wound up just hiking and skiing. And, and then I got uh, 
I got not kicked out. They just didn't renew my, I'm remembering, they didn't renew my, uh, what do you call that? When they give you money? Um, um, uh, tuition? Can, no. They, they, oh, yeah, like was, a scholarship. Oh, a scholarship? A scholarship. Oh, because you got a scholarship to, yeah. to go there. Yeah. It's, and they didn't renew your scholarship. Right. So you're like, I'm out of here. I wasn't in, I didn't go to class. Right. <laughs> I convinced them I was smart enough to not have to go to class. So they left me on my own because they thought I could do it. And uh, and I didn't because I was, I love being in the woods. I love the, uh, I love hiking. Love skiing. You still hike right now? Not so much anymore. Yeah. I'm, you know, my career is pretty important to me and writing is important. And I really haven't made enough money to take any time off. Well, you can hike in L.A. Yeah, I I used to run to the top of Griffith Park every day. The long run, the, you know, to yeah. the top of Mount wow. Hollywood. Yeah. Down by down by the Greek Theater, yeah. past, past the tennis courts and up that steep ridge. I used yeah. to run that whole thing. Wow. With 10-pound weights. Get out of here. Yeah, in the summertime. Jesus. Yeah. No, it's a tough trail. Yeah. Great, great, great trail. Yeah, it is a great trail. Yeah, I love that park. Mm -hmm. I used to run there a, a lot. I don't run there anymore. Mm -hmm. uh, and I never run on concrete. I always run on dirt. That's why my knees are still working. Oh, okay. You know, people who run so on So dirt's, dirt's bad for the knees? Dirt is good for your knees. Oh, dirt is good. Dirt is good. Concrete. Yeah. Dirt good. Concrete, <laughs> concrete bad. <laughs> Concrete's great for tires. Oh, okay. <laughs> That's great. No, I, yeah, I'm not a big runner, but I like hiking, and I uh, I go up to Runyon over there. Oh, it's great. Yeah, and then uh, there's a there's a state park close to uh, over here in uh, Culver City that I like to go to. Uh huh. Yeah, it's important to go out and hike. And yeah, I like that a lot. Yeah, I've hiked. Uh, I've hiked most of the wilderness areas in America. Did a, just did a shitload of that. I discovered there was no wilderness in America. All these parks are not, they're not really wilderness. When I went to Alaska, I found some wilderness. I'd, and a lot of mosquitoes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, I hate mosquitoes. Uh, it's one thing I love about California is, like, they don't have mosquitoes. Uh, not where I live. Really? My house is loaded. We, we, really? just, we just bought one of those mosquito things, a mosquito light with a, that attracts the mosquitoes. And you, yeah. And when you, I'm sitting in my office and I'm focused on my work and all of a sudden, rah! <laughs> and I'm going, good. <laughs> Get that mosquito. Yeah. Oh, man, I hate them. Yeah. Have you noticed the ants are really small this 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 year? Have you seen any ants? I did, and I. It's funny that you say that. I mean, it's. <laughs> I just saw some last night they're in tiny. the kitchen. They're tiny, and they're tiny. Yeah, I just thought they were like you know new babies or something. No, I noticed it there because they eat my cat's food, and I, my cat. My cat's bowl was full of ants. And I looked at them, what the fuck are these little dots running around here? <sighs> and then I asked a good friend of mine who's a pest control guy. He, sa he said, yeah, he noticed it also. So apparently there's something changing. Because when I was in Croatia, I went there to do a gig in Croatia. Yeah. And uh, the ants in Croatia are huge. And yeah. they have shells like cockroaches. You, the ants are like tanks. They're communist ants. That's the, <laughs> that's the they're really tough. And when, and when you step on them, they crunch. <laughs> you can hear them crunch. Yeah, how was Croatia? Oh, Croatia was beautiful. Yeah? Croatia was phenomenal. I did a music gig there. I was working for the, a lady who uh, 
acts for the National Theater and the National. It's gorgeous. Yeah, gorgeous. Nice, beautiful people. Yeah, beautiful city, ancient. Yeah, you know, really old. Uh, the city I was in was called Split. Long trip, 27, 28 hours. Oh, wow. Long flight. Yeah. But great people. So, like, uh, you, do you play with an orchestra, or who I do you can, play with? I can. You can? If, if yeah. it's necessary, I can. I normally, I, most of my career I was playing with my own band. Uh, we played what I, uh, what I call Zen jazz. It was like African, Japanese, Jewish, Latin, Caribbean, bebop. It was a great mix of genres i had some great players with me and uh they're still around the band could still happen but i focus now mostly on comedy mm. have you found that musicians uh, have a really good sense of humor and a lot of them are funny they think they are <laughs> <laughs> you know i'll be on stage and i know what comedy is and my, yeah. my keyboard player is trying to tell a joke <laughs> shut the fuck up <laughs> You know, I'm the, I'm the band leader. I'll crack the jokes. <laughs> what you're saying is not funny. Nice. Shut up. Shut up. Play your, <laughs> play your piano. <laughs> play your piano. <laughs> I didn't pay you to crack a joke. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. Yeah. And some of them are funny, yeah. but it's a different kind of... Yeah. You know. And they can handle... Musicians can handle some intense, you know, sexuality, sexual jokes. Yeah. They're pretty freaky themselves. Mm-hmm. Uh so that's good. Yeah. You know, I always like having musicians in the audience. Because, you know, if you can make the band laugh, <laughs> that's usually a good sign. You're, yeah. you're doing good, at least for the band. Yeah, yeah. But you might be losing the audience. <laughs> yeah, so they can be funny. But that's not the gig. So what brought you to L.A.? I knew I was running a jazz club in Seattle uh, called Matzo Mama's Jewish, Jewish Jazz Club. And uh, I was doing all the stuff I was I think I told you before I was booking it and playing trumpet and flute oh, okay. and piano and doing the press and uh, I did that for about two years. A lot of cocaine back then also, uh, but I knew I had to get out of LA, out of out of Seattle because it uh, it rains. And yeah, it's depressing, right? Highest rate of suicide in the United States. Yeah, Seattle. There's a bridge that's that people jump off of. Really? I forget the name of the bridge, but the bridge only the bridge goes over. Uh, ha- it's half water and half land. And where the water is, people have a, a houseboat that's docked down there. And it's hard to get a houseboat spot. So the, that was the only spot that was left. So this guy has his houseboat right under the bridge. And that's where the people land on his houseboat. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> Are you serious? I'm serious. That's Every now no, twice, two times a year, somebody plop. Oh, my God. Right, right on his deck. Oh man! And nobody wants to trade with him. You yeah. know? <laughs> wow. Yeah, I forget the name of that bridge. Oh God, I wish I could remember the name of it. Uh, I forget. It, I forget. Yeah, so long, bridge. Uh, yeah, the, yeah. Uh, goodbye. Good, good written. Adios. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. And they have a big substance uh, abuse problem over there too, oh, right? Oh, huge. Yeah. That's why, I mean, I was living there. Yeah. It was, that's what it was. Yeah. A lot of cocaine. I don't know about now. I don't know what's going mm-hmm. on now. But they also have uh, Cornish uh, Art Institute, a great, great school for arts and dance and music. And they have a lot of great musicians living up there. Uh, 
I was running the jazz club, and a lot, a lot, we had a lot of great nights, just great. And we had some horrible nights. Uh, one night, I booked. I heard about a trap. Now, this is thirty some odd years ago. Yeah, I heard about a traveling Jewish jazz band from Russia. Now, in Russia, back then, to being being Jewish was not good. Mm -hmm. Being a jazz musician was pretty much outlawed. You know, wow. they were against jazz because it was too free. Oh, okay. You know, they don't want people to be free. Right. So being a Jewish jazz band and they're on tour and I said, I got to book these guys. So I booked them, never heard them. I just booked them and I started to do the press for it and all the Jews in Seattle were going to come to this gig. It was going to be packed night. Uh -huh. And uh, finally the band shows up and they stink. Yeah. Really? <laughs> they are terrible. That's hilarious. They are just terrible. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, I got to pay these guys? No, no, it didn't matter, though. The place was packed. Everybody was happy. The owner sold a lot of matzo ball soup and, and pastrami, and everybody was happy. It was, a, it was a great Jewish night, but the music was bad. Ugh. In the end, who cares? <laughs> it was a fun night. So I ran that for about two years, and then I realized I had to get out of this. I had to get out of this. Yeah, I came to L.A. I came to L.A. with $25, no car, uh, no driver's license because I had, I had, was still on drugs. Uh, no ID, nothing. And I knew one person, and I I moved in with her in uh, Vermont and Fountain in that area. Yeah, and that's where I could see Griffith Park, and I saw that beautiful Frank Lloyd Wright house mm. that's up on the top. Yeah, and I said, Oh my God, I just love this, and I started hiking in Griffith Park, and and it's right across from there's a a Sikh temple over there mm. that I was, I, I went to services there because I really love going to different kinds of services and seeing what people are doing and yeah. how they pray. And the one thing I noticed was uh, they had a great ritual in the Sikh temple where they would just kind of go nuts at one moment when the, when the head guys, everybody go nuts and everybody went nuts. And then after they went nuts, that's when he collected the money. <laughs> and I said, that's, that's smart. Everybody's mind is open and they feel free and liberated. That's the best time to ask for money. Nah, yeah, it's true. It was great. It's, yeah. Most religious leaders know the best time to ask for money is after the band plays. <laughs> Entertainment. Oh, nice. So I moved in there. That's quite a few years ago. And uh, lived there for a while. I, got a, I got, did some jobs. Uh, the natural fudge, right? You probably weren't around then. The natural, you know, Stephen Allen Green by any chance? Uh, the actor? Uh, he's a comic. Oh. Stephen Allen Green is a comic. He used to run an open mic night at the natural fudge restaurant. It sounds familiar. Yeah. Yeah. He's still around. Uh, he did a lot of work at the comedy store for a long time. And he's a great writer. Uh, but I started performing and started doing comedy and. Playing music. It, were you clean at this time when you started comedy? No. Definitely not. I wasn't clean my first few years in L.A. Because I, the person I moved in with, her brother was a dealer. Oh. Was one of the reasons I moved in with her. <laughs> I had a good connection. <laughs> it close by? Yeah. Oh, he lived in uh, down by uh, Disneyland, somewhere down in that area, but we Go get our drugs. No, I was still stoned. So it is the happiest place on earth. Yeah. <laughs> uh, wow. 
And uh, so you got clean in L.A.? I stopped using in L.A., and then I didn't know about AA or NA or any of that stuff, so I just quit on my own because I was dying. And uh, and then years and years later, so I was dry for a long time, and then years and years later I discovered, of course, the problem with addiction is not necessarily the cocaine or the... It's the thinking, mm. that, and my thinking was really bad. Mm. Uh, I was very antisocial. I was terrified. I was very judgmental. I was antisocial. Mm. As, as much as a humanitarian as I am, and no matter how much love I had in my heart, yeah. I wasn't able to express it because mm. I was so self-loathing and so terrified and so ambitious. Yeah. So all those things dealt me a real severe blow to my ability to function with people. I could never talk to you like this uh, back then. I wouldn't even be, I wouldn't be here. Mm. Wow. It would never would. I couldn't have, I wouldn't know how to have a relationship with you. Mm. Uh, So, uh, so after 17 years of not doing any drugs on my own, my brain was about to kill me again. I mean, it was really bad shape. And a friend of mine who had a lot of years in AA invited me to give her a birthday cake at a AA meeting. And I went to the meeting and I heard people talking and they were laughing at the things that I thought in my brain that were horrible. And I asked her if I could go to meetings too. She said, well, did you ever use or drink? I said, yeah, I think so. So she said, yeah. So I started going to meetings and it saved my life. Oh, wow. Saved my life. Wow. Saved my life. And you still go to meetings. Oh, absolutely. Mm. And I volunteer. I do all, a lot of my gigs. I do a lot of... NA gigs, uh, NA conventions, and AA conventions. Yeah, it's a it's a circuit, and it's phenomenal. Great audience, the best audience ever. Yeah, well, you know that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think uh, didn't I? Perry. Perry. Yeah. Oh, Perry did it. Perry booked both of us. Right. For AA gig. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, that one by Denny's, that place. Uh, oh, that, oh, maybe that's that, that's uh. They're uh, recovering uh, criminals. Oh, that one. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. The house. Uh, yeah, the dosi doesn't it start with a D. Yeah, D. It, yeah, it, 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 that does. Yeah, dosi yeah. <laughs> house or whatever. Yeah. But yeah. Um, but I knew you before that. Right. I knew you from Haha yeah. before right. that. No, and I yeah I know I, I I back in the Haha days we're talking like 2007 2006 maybe yeah um, but uh, yeah back then. Uh, but yeah, no, I, I I knew you did these uh, recovery shows, yeah. and uh, yeah, and they are the best audiences, and they're they're yeah. they're phenomenal, man. Yep. Yeah, they're healthy. really good, and uh, yeah, they got a great sense of humor. Love to laugh. Yeah, they're clean. They love mm-hmm. to laugh. Love to work. Mm-hmm. Responsible. Yeah, and uh, it's great. Yeah, it's great. Yeah, it's 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 awesome. And those those conventions are all over the country, all over Canada. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've been to Canada. I've been to Toronto many times to do NA conventions in, up there, and uh, Edmonton and Calgary. Those are all great places to do NA. And Vancouver, mm-hmm. a lot great, great Washington. Yeah, just everywhere. Yeah, so that's cool. Yeah, no, I'm in, man. I I love those shows, and uh, they're a great uh, group of people. Yep, and uh, yeah. I th- I think it's awesome. Well, and uh, yeah, soon as there's another one, I can't wait, buddy. Yeah, yeah I'm there. Neither can I. Um, and uh, yeah, cause so I had to go to meetings because I got a DUI in 2010. Uh huh. And um, so it's a requirement that you go to 8A uh, right. meetings, and uh, 
And, uh, yeah, so it's like I got to see, you know, that, uh, you know, what you said, you know, those people laughing about what you were thinking. Yep. Yeah, so, um, and 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 also, I, I was... Uh, I was really entertained, actually, um, by the the speakers and the stories. Uh, do you ever do that? Oh, talk? Yeah. Oh, I'm a. I speak. I I get asked to speak a lot. Yeah. Oh, do you? Yeah. I got 20 years now. I just celebrated 20 years in recovery. Oh, uh, okay. And I still go to meetings. Yeah. They're all Zoom now. They're Zoom meetings. Mm-hmm. But uh, those things are necessary. You know, especially now when there's no comedy. Yeah. You know. Right. What yeah. The fuck. Right. You know? gotta gotta be with people yeah it's critical Mm -hmm. and i usually you know 20 years i'm not i'm not unhappy anymore and i don't want to go to a meeting and brag about being unhappy i'm not in that space right so i talk about things that are happening that are that are really positive okay because uh yeah i did drugs but look at me now yeah it's great yeah yeah great life there's always just you know things to deal with but fuck it yeah you know, I know I'm going to get through. Yeah. And that's cool with them. It has to be. It has to. I, I just got asked to do uh, speak at a, a live meeting in uh, Pacific Palisades. Oh, okay. In a theater. Oh. It was really cool. And I got to, it was a, a real meeting. Nice. It was great. Yeah. You know. How much time you do? When I talk? Yeah. That that was, uh, I think, 15 minutes. Really? Yeah. Because oh, I, I know when I was in a... Uh, in the meetings, uh, they, they they ran pretty long, like like an hour. Some of them, yeah. That's that's a speaker meeting. Oh, okay. So I do that too. Oh. I do all. Of, well, when I do my comedy shows for NA, they're always an hour. Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes an hour and, and ten, something like that. So I've uh, I've got enough to say. I got I got a lot to say. Yeah. Do you uh, host them or do you headline them? I headline them. Mm-hmm. I very rarely host. Very, that's rare because usually the budgets are for one person. Mm. You know, especially when you're flying somewhere, you gotta, and have to. But there are there are a few. Like I did one with Eddie Pepitone. We flew to Sacramento, and the budget was big enough to take two people. Mm. But that was four years ago, three four years ago. But that that doesn't come around too often. Mm. Usually, it's one guy or one girl. But they're great. Yeah, you know, I did one in. Uh, it's called the Log Cabin convention in the ozarks the lake ozark that move the like the series yeah i was and i was in the middle of watching the series ozark <laughs> when i went to the lake ozark <laughs> so there i am at lake ozark watching the series <laughs> and doing a comedy show called the log cabin i thought well it's called the log cabin it must be a small convention it's 1500 people wow showed up to that thing and not everybody showed we so we had about maybe 900 a thousand people at the comedy show okay Wow. And I split the door with them because sometimes they don't have a budget. Yeah. So I just take a chance. I take a oh. risk. Split the door. I wound up with $3,000 in 20s at the end of the night. Wow. <laughs> and the convention made three grand. Yeah. So it was great. We yeah. split the door. Everybody laughed. Everybody had fun. Yeah. And I made some money. It was That's wonderful. great. Yeah. It doesn't happen all the time. When was this? That was about two or three years ago. Mm. Maybe two, something like that. Great, great convention, great people. Just they come from everywhere to go to that yeah. convention. And then now all the ones I had were booked now, they're all off, they're canceled to 2021. Oh, wow. They're all put off. Yeah, you were just telling me uh, before we uh, 
started that, that you, you finally learned how to uh, what book uh, the shows and make money, and then they got all canceled? Every one of them. Oh. And I booked my wife. My wife has a great uh, nine to ten piece all female Latin band that's uh-huh. phenomenal. Yeah. And I was in charge of booking it, and we got gigs with 20,000 people, 10,000 people. Just huge gigs. All of them got canceled. It's uh, ugh, it's awful. Man. Well, you know, it is what it is. We learned to live yeah. with it, and here we are. Here we are. And everything's okay. Yeah. You know, I really wish that we could be doing those gigs because doing those gigs would have propelled us even further. Yeah. And gotten, but it's gone a whole different way. So it is what it is. And, of course, I blame Trump for all of it. <laughs> Excuse me for being political, but I believe he really screwed up this whole thing with the with the virus. Yeah, you think he you think he um, reacted too late? I don't think he reacted at all. He he defended himself too late. Mm-hmm. You know he he denied too late, and then the the the, vir- the virus didn't care about his denial. The virus don't give a shit about him. Yeah, and now the virus is proving him wrong, and now he's accepting. The congratulations for for doing what he should have done a long time ago, but he didn't have the intelligence to do it because he didn't think it was uh, worthy his time or whatever it was. Yeah, just total denial. He didn't want to be part of anything negative. I think Trump hates himself and has no idea. Just because he has money doesn't mean he doesn't hate himself. Oh yeah, sure. I think he hates yeah, himself yeah. big time. Yeah, you know, and uh, he could never admit that. Yeah, he can't admit when he lies. So how how could he admit something so grievous? How can you be that? How can you act so hatefully if you don't hate yourself? Yeah, I agree. Now, there's a bit of philosophy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I I totally agree. You know, um, you hear about you know like a really really religious person like totally bashing like somebody that's you know homosexual or whatever and that person turns out to be one of those people you know like yeah. that, why, why why do you care so much about these people and they're like very verbal about it and like letting everybody know that it's wrong and then they end up getting caught in like some airport stall with them yeah, <laughs> you right. know you see you see that all the time it's, so yeah it, uh, you know it's pre- they're projecting their own self-loathing. Yeah, that's all. It's that simple. Yeah, it's that simple and that stupid. Yeah, you know, you, you wish they would look at themselves a little bit deeper. Yeah, but they don't know how, mm. and they they don't want to lose their job. You know, that's a big deal. Yeah, they think they can lose their job, and they probably yeah. would. For yeah, being, for being fuck up. Right. You know. Yeah. You know, if the guy said, "I'm gay," la da 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 da, who would give a shit? Right. You know, I'm gay, but yeah, but you hide it, then it's not good. Yeah. If you're gay, be gay. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> I'm Jewish. Hate me if you want to. You know? <laughs> I don't care. I love myself. Some of the time. Yeah. Um, it's I I was talking to this Russian girl, and she said it's illegal to be uh, a gay in uh, Russia. Oh. I don't know. It's possible. It's, yeah. it's illegal in a lot of places. Yeah. I didn't know it was illegal there. Yeah. Putin is one of the biggest capitalists ever. You know, you want to find a capitalist? You know, he's the biggest capitalist in Russia is yeah. Putin. Yeah. He's a billionaire. Oh. Yeah. Nobody knows how much he owns. Yeah. Nobody comes right. close to knowing. Yeah, yeah. 
Anyhow, the, it's full of hypocrisy and full of bullshit and full of lies, and we have to find our way through it or just not pay attention. I know sometimes when I see shit like that, I just have to say, David, what's you know what's funny, right. you know. And sometimes, you know, if I say something funny about Trump mm-hmm. or I can insult a, a racist, I know how to insult racists really well because yeah. it's so stupid. <laughs> Uh, but then there's another level of comedy that's even higher that goes way beyond insulting anybody. What's that? Well, it's musical comedy. It's you know something that that uh, that has nothing to do with politics or has nothing to do with uh, uh, religion or gender. Mm-hmm. It's just an act, something that a gift that uh, somebody has been blessed with to do. Like I, I, there's certain things I do on instruments that are very funny. They transcend. Uh, any religion or anything or words so i like to go there you know because the insult jokes are relatively easy especially yeah. if, you know we're smart mm-hmm. so it's easy to insult stupid people yeah um, and it gets a laugh yeah you know, it gets a laugh but uh yeah there's always something higher yeah and uh sometimes i choose the other way yeah <laughs> Well, you know, philosophy, you know, philosophical jokes. Yeah. You know, like the real, I, I, you know, the religion I invented was Zen Judaism. That's a, you know, so everything is sacred and everything is marketable to a lot of people. That's, uh, that's very funny. Mm-hmm. Some people, they don't get that joke at all. Yeah. Uh, and some Jews hate me for saying that. Yeah. They, they don't want me identifying Judaism with marketability, Mm. you know, because that's the stereotype of Jews. Yeah. Jews should just be happy they're good at marketing. (laughs) (laughs) That's great. Have you ever had uh, one of those uh, gigs in uh, recovery that didn't go so well? Uh, Only because it was my fault. Mm. Uh I did a gig with, uh, you know, Willis Turner? Yeah. And I love He's Willis. Great. I love Willis. Yeah, and yeah. We flew to uh, uh, the, the Atlantic Ocean. We did a gig. And it's a big convention. Huge. And the show was late at night. NA convention, 10, 10, 30, 11 o'clock at night. Yeah. And just before I go on stage, the person who booked me said, it's got to be a clean show. You have to be clean. <laughs> Right before you get on stage. Are you fucking kidding me? (laughs) (laughs) This is like. (laughs) Are you serious? (laughs) And she said, no, you have to be clean. And my act in for NA is totally, totally vulgar. Yeah. I mean, just brilliant. Yeah. Brilliant pussy joke. One pussy joke. I love them. And, uh, and I had to get on stage, and I said, "What the fuck?" And the room is packed. Yeah, and it's all mostly, I would say, ninety nine point eight tenths black. Na gig. Yeah. Addicts. Yeah. Junkies. Right. Clean. Yeah. Ten thirty at night at an NA convention, <laughs> and I'm supposed to not say pussy or oh, fuck. Wow. And it was torture. Yeah. It was yeah. torture. No, I know. I've done one, those gigs. There was one black guy came saw I was suffering on stage. Yeah. He came run up and running up and he hugged me. No, oh, <laughs> that's the worst. <laughs> that's the worst, man. When they feel sorry for they you. Felt so bad for oh, me. Oh no. It was like the the Apollo, only mm-hmm. I couldn't get off stage. Oh. <laughs> and, and, 
And, but they were polite. No. Oh, they were no, polite? No, it got worse. Oh, they, they, oh okay. And then the person I, who booked me, it got worse, and then the person who booked me stopped the show and says, you have to respect the comedian. And I'm oh, no, don't do that. that yeah. Disrespect they, oh, me. Oh, no. No, that was bad. Wow, but you stuck to your guns and you didn't uh, you didn't go dirty. I couldn't. They wouldn't. If I went dirty, they wouldn't pass. Oh, really? And it, yeah. It cost a lot of money to get there. Yeah, we, right. need, we needed to get yeah. paid. You needed to get paid. Yeah, I know. I get it. So we got paid. Yeah, it's not like you just drove across town. No, you know? <laughs> no, it was a long, dr- a long yeah. flight and a yeah. long drive. Ugh. So that was a lesson. Holy yeah. shit! I've learned a couple of lessons. There was another one that was bad, but that you know, I don't think you get to be really good if you don't get really bad. Sure, you have to die, yeah. die, die, yeah, just die. Yeah. Go home and crawl into bed and yeah. fucking die. Yeah. And then you learn. And yeah. If you, if you don't have the guts to get back up, well, then yeah. you weren't meant to do this. Right. No, I, I totally agree. But, I mean, it's so funny because, like, most people associate, like, you falling on your face or failing as, oh, it must not be for you. Like, they don't get it. You know what I mean? You need to fail at things, and that's how you learn. Yeah. And then, and then you coming back uh, makes you stronger, and it makes you, uh, you know, better. And you know, you overcame that. And um, but I mean, I just think that you know, you know, it's just known or like people believe that. Oh, if you if you fail at that, you you must not be. It must not be for you. Well, I know better. Mm. I mean, I really know that I'm born to do comedy. I mean, there's no doubt. I'm born to do music and comedy. There's no doubt in my mind. Mm-hmm. So no, nobody can tell me anything else. I can feel bad because that happened. Yeah, you know, or and there have been other times when uh, when I when I had a bad show that you just bomb. It just you just do it. It happens. Yeah, and I I can't blame anybody except for either my own inexperience or my own fear or my own ego or I'm losing control or I get so scared I forget what I'm supposed to say. Or uh, I get so scared that I do the, the setup to the joke, which is tragedy, and then I forget to do the punchline because mm. I'm nervous. And my, my need for approval is so great yeah. that it fucks me up. You know, I've been there enough times to not let that happen again. Huh. So I say that I'm not, I mean, I'm going into new uh, areas of comedy, which I'm uh, really threatening, yeah. which is cool. I have to go where, I have to go where it's threatening. Because if I'm not scared, what the fuck am I doing up there? I mean, what am I? What am I saying? I got to say something that's that's risky. Yeah, I love the risk. And yeah, I hate the, I hate the risk, and I love the risk. Yeah, because yeah. I know I love it when I'm by myself and I'm walking. I love the risk. That's where my brain goes. Yeah, it doesn't go to save shit. No, it goes to the risk, and then I have to. I say, oh shit, I got to say that in public. And that's what you've been doing. Yeah, it's great. Yeah, yeah, because yeah. uh, you know. Uh, it's scary. It's scary to go there. And it's scary to be in a room where you're just trying to uh, entertain these people and you're trying to, you know, do your jokes and this and that. But you need to, uh, you know, work out some new stuff and stuff, you know, it might not be so popular because you haven't worked it out yet. Or maybe your views aren't that popular. Right. And uh, the what, what you're going to say, like you said, uh, you know, when you say that thing about the Jews and they don't appreciate it so much, 
you know, it, it you know, that's maybe a thought that you had and, you know, you make it funny mm. and, uh, but it's, it's, it's hard to go there and, uh, you gotta be really brave to, to do that and go through that. I've also learned that, you know, when I do a temple gig, I don't have to say pussy in temple, you know, at you the, don't have to? No, no. I, no, my first temple gig, I was preparing for it. I was talking to a friend of mine, and I love that pussy monologue I do. Mm -hmm. and, and I wrote that before the vagina monologues were written. So mm. I was saying cunt and pussy <laughs> 35 years ago. <laughs> and the idea of saying cunt in public 35, 40 years ago was a big deal. And it scared the shit out of me. And then I finally had the guts to do it, and it paid off. Mm. You know, but of course, some people didn't like it, but that's okay too. Yeah. But when I do a temple gig, you can't say you can't say pork in temple. Oh wow! You know, you got I gotta be. Yeah. If I want to do those gigs, what's the point in my saying pork when I know people are gonna be offended? Yeah. I don't need to do that. Yeah. You know, they're probably eating pork too, <laughs> <laughs> or at least bacon. <laughs> it's funny. No, it's a great life, though. I mean, to take those risks, what else is there? No, there's nothing better to, to like, put your neck out like that, you know, on this, you know, maybe uh, uh, this thought that you have and uh, you doing it and, it, you know, getting laughs and yeah. there's nothing like that. And then yeah. all of a sudden you got a new bit. Yeah. Or, yeah, it's, it's, it's great, man. There's... There, that's a powerful drug right there, you know. The uh, that uh, once once you uh, find out you got a new bit to work with, yeah. <laughs> right. Where do you do you have like when I go for my walks? That's where some of my greatest stuff hits me. And when I used to jog, I would get oh god, I would get tons of music and melodies, and I'd find myself jogging down here singing those great melodies and saying, "Oh, this is so it's so." Uh, enlivening it's so enriching and yeah. so healthy you know to be out in the top of griffith park was in the rain shirts off and just jogging and sweating in the rain and singing and stuff i used to jog naked in in griffith park. no way yeah I was, in the pouring rain you know just no, nobody's up there you know so i'm jogging i take my clothes <laughs> off because i want to feel primitive you know yeah. and, and i'm hanging on to my balls with my left hand and then one time i'm jogging up there and i'm in running naked in the rain and i see a guy way off in the distance and he sees me and i wave to him and uh and, and he runs away <laughs> <laughs> um <laughs> Yeah, that'd be a bad time to see a mountain lion, right? <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, look at those berries over yeah, there. Really? <laughs> <laughs> I I ran in Griffith Park when I could see deer with antlers. Wow. One time I actually saw that. I saw a deer with antlers in Griffith Park. I haven't seen that since. Yeah. That was amazing. Wow. That's, I've been in L.A. 35, 30, that's 37, 36 years ago. Yeah. I haven't seen one since. Wow. So you think you'll stay in uh California? No. I don't think so. I think I think we'll probably go somewhere. I don't know I don't know where. I wanna be I wanna be a lot more successful before I leave so that I can go anywhere and you know, a lot of people get su successful here and then go someplace else because it doesn't matter. Yeah. You can always fly somewhere, but I I would like 
I have a lot more to say. I think what's important to me right now is that I have a lot more things I want to talk about on stage. And uh, I don't hear anybody saying the stuff I want to hear. Mm. So I really need to start saying that. So I start hearing it. Nice. And I spoke to Perry Kurtz the other night. You know Perry? Yeah. Uh, he's doing some live shows. So I think I'm going to just start doing that just to get my mind back in, in shape. Yeah, yeah, I've, yeah. I've been too isolated. Yeah. Yeah, we all have. Yeah. It's not good. No. It's not good. No. Um, You know, especially for us comics. Like, like I said, we're used to being out almost every night and, uh, you know, seeing each other and having that camaraderie and um, doing our jokes, man. And it's uh, really tough just to be, you know, you know, by yourself and I don't know. So hopefully that turns around. Um, Did you check something? Hey, um, yeah, this is, um, we've, we've need to wrap it up. Yeah, I have to. Okay. I, d- I, I'm, I might not be able to pick up my daughter. I got to take care okay, of her. Okay, let me go to the bathroom, and we, then we'll wrap it up. Is, okay. is that cool? Yeah. Or you got to leave right now? No, no, let's wrap okay. it up. Do you need to go? arrangements for my daughter to go someplace else. Okay. Cool. So, do you want to keep going or? No. Okay. I gotta. You, you gotta wrap it up. Yeah. Okay. Wish I really had a good yeah. time with you, man. Yeah, yeah. Me too. Cool. How do you want to wrap it up? Uh, just thank you for coming out. Okay. <clears throat> Get it. Um, get this one recording again. All right, Dave. Yeah. <laughs> it's good seeing you, man. Hey, great seeing you. Really, uh, we go back a long time. Yeah, yeah. I'm really had. I'm really glad we had this chance to talk. Yeah, yeah. And it's like I was talking to you before the podcast, and I was just like, save it for the podcast. Yeah. You know, but like, 
you know, I there's so like I could talk to you for years. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like you got so many stories. You've been to so many different places, and you've experienced so many different things, and and it's just so great to hear. And uh, you know, I think uh, your story is inspiring and uh, it, very helpful for certain people, especially you know ones that are in recovery or you know need to go. And uh, you know, if uh, do do you have anywhere? Um, they could uh, go to to you know for help or do you want to uh, plug any any of those uh, recovery places or anything like that or what, do you have any sort of advice towards uh, anyone? Uh, if people are looking for help, there's you can always find Narcotics Anonymous. They have a uh, I think it's na.org www.na.org. Uh, if you want to talk to me, you can find my website, www.davidzasloff.com. I'm always open to helping however I can. And That's it's great. part of what we do. And uh, no judgment. No. Yeah. Just we're here to help. People People help me. And uh, I'd love to talk to you again. Awesome. Well, thank you for coming by. And uh, I appreciate it. And this cool. was a lot of fun. Thank you, man. Thank you, buddy.